0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode forty of the Fantasy Log Guy podcast. I'm Nick Garisco at Fantasy Log Eye on Instagram. Today's show: recapping Broncos Jets, previewing the Saints, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, and taking listener questions. He dropped the ball. keep uh-huh. dropped the ball. He did what? Playoffs. We'll what talk about playoffs. Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. Let him on the hook. Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. It's a what the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. I cannot win with him. I cannot coach with him. I can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep attriculating the ball down the field. Boy. I saw. Son. I saw. I saw. Hello. You play to win the game. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. Tennessee Titans and Pittsburgh Steelers game has been postponed to a later date, I'm sure you've already heard, and according to Michael David Smith of Profootballtalk.com, although the NFL said that the Steelers-Titans will be played, the easiest switch would be playing it in Week 7, which is the Titans' bye week before this week, and then moving the Steelers' scheduled Week 7 game with the Ravens to Week 8, when both the Steelers and Ravens currently have their buys. So we're gonna do a little bye week swap that involves the Ravens. That's most likely going to happen. The NFL has not announced that yet, but essentially for fantasy we are treating the Steelers and Titans game as a bye week this week. So they get an early bye week. And so the good news is that it gives AJ Brown and wide and wide receiver Deontay Johnson, both wide receivers I should say, it gives them a full extra week to recover from their injuries. And both should be pretty good to go by week Five. The bad news is that replacements will be needed for James Conner, Derrick Henry. I know I have a lot of them in my leagues. Juju Smith-Schuster, Jonu Smith, Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, and the Steelers defense as well. I have one team with James Conner and Derrick Henry and the Steelers defense. So that is suboptimal, probably taking an L for this week. But at least the two teams that I've been using Jonu Smith at tight end, I have George Kittle who is supposed to return today. And we will get to more of George Kittle talk later in the show when we preview the 49ers and Eagles game with Sunday Night Football. We're also going to preview the Monday Night Football game between the Packers and Falcons. And we're going to do the Saints preview as well. So knocking out three previews today. I'm also going to take some listener questions and I'm going to recap the Broncos and Jets game. And I'm going to do that right now. But it is worth noting that the positive tests keep coming in for the Tennessee Titans. There's two more today. So hopefully this is all settled by week five. I don't know what the league is going to do if not. But let's get to the Broncos-Jets Thursday Night Football recap. In a battle between 0-3 teams, the Brett Rippon-led Broncos defeated the New York Jets 37-28. to Rippin decent in this game. Two touchdowns, three interceptions, including a pick six, but it was enough to get the win. The Jets, just so ugly. And I get that they have injuries. The Broncos arguably even more injured, arguably the most interest team in the league. So the injury is not really an excuse to lose this particular game for New York. And New York and Adam Gase possibly playing for Adam Gase's job here. New York has since announced that he'll live to coach another game. But just so many costly, stupid penalties, just so much sloppy play, even with Adam Gase's job on the line. He's going to get fired at some point this season. And they arguably gave up at the end, the Jets did. But there was a, there was more scoring than expected. So let's go over the fantasy results here. The Denver Broncos, their best performance coming from Melvin Gordon. 23 rushes, 107 yards, two touchdowns, two catches, 11 yards against the hapless Jets. They are 0-4 now, and they are worthless. But Gordon did have a promising great outcome in the cupcake matchup, albeit it was pretty weird performance. Gordon spent most of the game kind of running into brick walls, and his 1-yard touchdown plunge in the first half was nice uh, but he really saved his day with a 2 minute with 2 minutes remaining there was a 43-yard touchdown as the Broncos were just kind of attempting to run out the clock and Gordon slammed into a wall he stopped and then he cut outside for a big opening he juke the defender on the play but the Jets kind of looked like from a tackling perspective that they just kind of gave up on the play and that kind of really helped Gordon's fantasy night at that point he had only had 60 rushing yards on 22 carries, basically, and only one touchdown. So it was a decent day before that, and that made it a great day. And that's good that he hit during the big matchup with his third-string quarterback. So good news for Melvin Gordon. Phil Lindsay did not play in this game, but I think Gordon going forward is in every week running back, too. As for the passing game, the big news of the day is that Noah Fant, he did exit from this game with a minor ankle injury after taking a helmet shot to the leg in the third quarter. And he mainly caught short passes from Brett Ripon. prior to departing. He was seen, he was carted off, like into the locker room, but he was seen walking around fine after the game. Uh, KJ Hamler also left this game with a hamstring injury early. And so that left Jerry Judy to be the leading, rec- actually he wasn't the leading receiver here, but from a fantasy perspective, nobody was starting Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick had 118 yards in this game. And it, we'll see if he's going to be worth a pickup, depending on how significant Fant's injury is. In my opinion, but Jerry Judy three targets, two catches, but 61 yards and a score. So actually, his best game to date, even despite the lack of usage. And Rippin was really targeting aggressively. Cornerback uh, Pierre Desir and and Desir actually got the better of him later in the game when he had a pick six. But Desir was taken advantage of by Jerry Judy. Win early in the game. There was a 48-yard touchdown in Desir's coverage, and actually was kind of fortunate. For Judy because Judy and Desire both went up to make the grab and it appeared that Judy had mossed him by like stealing the ball over the defender's head with the defender actually in better position to make the play but it was a little fortunate because Judy actually ended up grasping the ball right after it hit the defender's helmet like almost simultaneously but did hit the helmet first so I don't know if he would have made this catch if not for the defender just letting it go through his hands and the two grabs by Jerry Judy, just for the game where disappointment with KJ Hamler and Noah Fant departing. Tim Patrick again was used as the number one receiver in this game. But Judy ended up being a pretty decent flex option there. There was a lot of field goals in this game. Both kickers had a great kicking day. But let's move on to the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, 200 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, six rushing attempts for 84 rushing yards and one touchdown. His best. Rushing day of his life, probably. Darnold was running for his life behind an offensive line that was missing their starting left tackle, Makai Beckton, along with Le'Veon Bell, obviously running back out, Denzel Mims, Rashad and receivers out, but he did get Jamison Crowder back, and that connection was very successful as usual. Crowder ended up having a 100 yard game, and he's only played in two games this year in his 200 yard games. So we'll talk about him in a second, but Darnold had a career rushing day that's just saved his fantasy night, and he had a Lamar Jackson like 46 rushing touchdown. Honestly, he looked like Lamar Jackson on the play. He evaded a sack in the first quarter and juked a defender out of his shoes and then just scrambled right up the middle, kind of evading more tackles for a 46 rushing touchdown early in the game. I think it was either the Jets' first or second drive. And he also took a hard sack later in the second quarter that briefly caused him to exit the game. But he did return to the next series after Joe Flacco completed a pass. And he, did, uh, he played throughout the game, the rest of the game, with a sprained shoulder. So Darnold showed some toughness there, but the Jets are just so bad at football. They are the heavy favorite to get the number one overall pick in the draft and potentially land Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what they'll do with Darnold, but we will see. Uh, Week four was pretty good for Jamison Crowder. Ten targets, seven catches, 104 receiving yards, no scores for Jamison Crowder, but it was a bright spot for the Jets. He caught... Some deep passes, he caught some short targets, he looked fully healthy, he was used all over the field, and he was actually quite really good in this game. Like, I, I would feel great about having Jamison Crowder as a wide receiver three going forward or in a flex option. He was the only legitimate pass catcher that was healthy enough to play, and I think with all the injuries to the Jets, Darnold is going to continue to lock on to Jameson Crowder, so good stuff there. Chris Herndon, the Jets running game with Frank Gore and Kaitlin uh ended up being pretty useless as expected. And that's pretty much it. So that covers that Thursday night football game right there. Okay, so we're going to take some listener questions now. All right, I'm going to take three or four listener questions like I tend to do on Friday. And I'm going to preview uh, three games for Sunday. So let's take on some listener questions. This first one is from Logan from New Orleans. And he asks... And Logan asks, I have David Johnson. Somebody offered me Miles Sanders and CeeDee Lamb for him. I should accept this, right? Question mark. And also, when I do accept, should I cut Zach Moss or Miles Gaskin? So, Logan, yes, I do think you should accept this trade, although I do think the Texans in general are a nice buy-low team after facing Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the last two weeks. Their schedule definitely opens up uh, in the next coming week. The Texans have... Minnesota Vikings, obviously, this week. That's an easy matchup. The Jaguars next week, then the Titans, then the Packers, then a bye, and then they have the Jags and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, yeah, that is a very soft schedule going forward. So Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, DJ, all pretty good by-lows. So normally I would say no to this. But I think Miles Sanders being that workhorse that he is in Philadelphia and being just more talented than David Johnson right now, I think this is definitely a trade that you want to accept. Now, I think – that your opponent is just trying to do that they're trying to buy DJ Low and I think they're also probably scared of the Eagles offensive implosion with with not Miles Sanders fault but all everything around him is just 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 going to garbage there and I think with the workhorse load that Sanders is getting regardless even if the Texans pick up this is probably a wash between DJ and Sanders I view them pretty evenly I know a lot of experts will probably have a slight, uh, or they'll strongly favor Sanders in this. I view Sanders as pretty even going forward with David Johnson. And I'll admit I'm, I'm higher than D, uh, on DJ than most are. But let's say that the running back swap is mostly even, if, even if Sanders has a very, very slight advantage. Uh, you get CeeDee Lamb out of this too. And I think he's going to have a strong second half of the season. He's kind of a free square there in this deal. So I like this deal for your team. As for who to cut, I probably would cut... Zach Moss. And that sucks to hear. I did like Zach Moss a lot going into the season, but Miles Gaskin has already earned the starting role. He's already getting the lion's share of the carries while Zach Moss didn't earn that yet. And the Bills are just a a much more pass happy team than we would have thought. So Zach Moss hasn't really been usable so far this season. And now he's also hurt. So we might miss another game. So I would go with Miles Gaskin uh, to keep on your roster there and, and letting go of Zach Moss. All right. Next question from Winston in Shreveport, he says, hey, Nick, somehow I'm 3-0 with Joe Mixon using your draft manifesto. I got two offers for Mixon this week, and I want to pull the trigger. Would you rather James Robinson or Kenyon Drake? I also think I can get your boy, James Conner, too, but I would have to propose that one myself. Let me know. Okay, so Winston, I'm not panicking about... Joe Mixon just yet. He has a history of slow starts, as I've mentioned. I would be panicking for sure if they weren't giving him the volume. But the Bengals definitely want Mixon to be successful. They're definitely giving him the rushing attempts. I wish they used him in the passing game more, but they're not. But I definitely think that he'll kick it in the year sooner than later probably. But how much is that year really going to be? Is it going to be like a top 10 running back for sure every week like it was in the final eight games of last season? I don't know about all that. In fact, I'm I'm leaning towards probably doing – these deals, all three, honestly, like I think I would prefer James Robinson, Kenyon Drake, or James Connor on my team right now than Joe Mixon and go, and going forward. Mixon does have Jacksonville this week, so it's a hard sell right now, and it's you know could make me look like a fool. But the other guys, James Robinson, Kenyon Drake, have nice matchups too. Kenyon Drake going up against Carolina, that could be a cure all there, and James Robinson going against the Bengals. And if you are three and zero. Uh, James Conner, you know, you can swallow James Conner's buy this week, the early buy. That'll be nice, actually. So I I don't think I'd sell Mixon for less value than this, than those three guys. But I'd take the options that you gave over Mixon, honestly. Uh, I do believe in a Mixon rebound. And it sucks to hear me say that I'm starting James Robinson over Joe Mixon like on a pretty usual week-to-week basis until Mixon improves. And Mixon was like a first, second-round pick, and James Robinson was obviously a free agent. It sucks, but baseball chains. football you got to stay with times here. And right now, James Robinson is a total stud, and Mixon hasn't done anything so far to uh, lead us to believe that he is an RB1. So I do buy Mixon will bounce back at some point, but I don't know how high this bounce back is going to be. Right. So I'm okay with either of these deals, even proposing for Connor, although I think that's probably the riskiest out of the three deals. And you might be able to wait on that as well and get to use Mixon in this uh, matchup against Jacksonville if you want to do that. Connor's value isn't going to change because, in fact, Connor's value is going to get even higher because his bye week is this week. He'll be done with his bye week, presumably. And Mixon. Uh, his value will probably increase against this jam- game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, hopefully, unless he has another bad game. So it'll be up to you whether you want to offer that right now if the other trades don't work out. But, yeah, I would lean towards probably James Robinson probably first. Uh, actually, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on James Robinson against Ken- Kenyon Drake, and then James Connor would be my backup, and then Joe Mixon I would rank fourth out of those four running backs going forward. Okay. Next question is from Felterman1. I have Derek Henry. My other two running backs are Miles Gaskin, Josh Kelly, and Jarek McKinnon. So who should I play this week? And I'm assuming that you need two of those running backs, which is yuck. I mean, that's just no good right there because Henry's your only starter or only really good running back there. That means you have to pick two out of Miles Gaskin, Josh Kelly, and Jarek McKinnon to start. Uh, My first choice is Gaskin against Seattle. I think Seattle is the worst defense of that bunch, and Gaskin is the lead back. Even if he only has like 80 total yards and five catches, I think that's a decent day in PPR. So, I don't know. I would definitely start him. To me, it comes down to Josh Kelly against Tampa Bay, which is a brutal matchup. Tampa Bay, very stingy run defense, and you might have the negative game script there, which we saw Kelly was not producing a negative game script. He's a game script-dependent player. And you also have Jared McKinnon. I don't really love Jared McKinnon this week either. I know he kind of beat up on the Giants last week, but this, this Eagles run defense is a lot better. And he's in a full time share with Jeff Wilson. So I probably lean towards McKinnon here, but I'm not I'm not feeling good about this. My confidence level between between those three among those three backs this week is pretty low, as as is the confidence level of my answer there. Uh last question uh from Ben H from Lacombe, Louisiana. He says, bye week's forcing me to cut. Deshaun Jackson, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, or the Steelers' D to add a defense. Who should I cut? And which free agent defense do you like this week? I'd probably hold on to the Steelers' defense, honestly, even though you're going to have two defenses on your roster. I think after the Steelers' defense, after maybe, I guess, the the Colts, maybe the Bucs, maybe the Chargers, I don't know. There's just not a lot of good defenses there, and you know the Steelers' is good. So I'd probably hold on to the Steelers. I'd definitely hold on to J.K. Dobbins as well. He could be a league winner if something were to happen to Mark Ingram— And maybe they'll give him more touches as the season progresses, seeing as he's a rookie, even though like right now they have the timeshare. I just like J.K. Dobbins in this Ravens offense. I'd probably cut Deshaun Jackson over Zach Moss at this point, although I wouldn't rush to do it, right? Because Deshaun Jackson, questionable for this week with the hamstring issue, and he may get ruled out, like on Sunday or maybe even tomorrow. And once he does, or if he does, you can place him on IR if you have an IR spot. And you won't have to drop anyone. If you don't have an IR spot, yeah, I'd probably get rid of Deshaun Jackson to scoop up, you know, free agent defense. And as far as the free agent defenses, though, you know, I'd actually try to see if you could win without one, honestly. Maybe you want to wait till the 315 games to add one. It's it's risky, but I don't know. There's not a lot of good free agent defenses this week. I'm going to actually go through my top 12 defenses and top 12 kickers this week. Normally, I do this on my streaming show, which would be Saturday afternoon or or my matchup preview show, I should say, which is Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning. Uh, but today I'm going to do it right now just because it kind of feeds into this question. And my top 12 defense defenses this week. I'd say the Ravens at the Washington football team, that's number one. Rams, number two versus the Giants. Colts, number three against the Bears. And then definitely Tampa Bay against the Chargers. That's a good one there. The Seahawks against Miami. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks are in free agency for you because they just stink on defense. But you got to like their matchup against Ryan Fitzmagic and the Miami Dolphins. The Bills, they're probably not in free agency. They play the Vegas Raiders. The Broncos and Jets have already played. I would have ranked them 7-8. and eight uh so let's say the cardinals against carolina yeah there's not a lot of good plays this week honestly that could be a high scoring game but yeah i'd say the cardinals against carolina the bears against the colts maybe they can force rivers into some turnovers there The Saints against the Lions, although that should be a high-scoring game as well, but I think the Saints could rebound this week. The Chargers, if you want to play against Tom Brady, I think that's okay. I mean, the Chargers have a pretty good defense. They're missing Chris Harris and maybe Melvin Ingram this game, but the Chargers are pretty tough. You can play them. The Cowboys will probably be in free agency. They play the Browns this week, although that could be a high-scoring game if they get that running game going, and Cleveland does. So that's a risk as well. Maybe you can use somebody in the Bengals-Jags game. I don't even know which one to pick, but there should be some sloppy play at some point in that game, some turnovers and sacks against those quarterbacks. But I don't know, man. It's a pretty rough streaming week for defenses if the Seattle Seahawks are gone. Uh, and, and even Seattle, they're missing Jamal Adams this week. So I don't know. That, that's just a tough call there. Uh, I would see if I if the Rams and Colts aren't in free agency, I might honestly see if I can win this game without cutting anybody and seeing if I absolutely need to play a streamer, keeping a roster spot open or maybe potentially cutting Deshaun Jackson because he is a night game, so you can wait on that, and then seeing if you need it. Like if your game is projected to be close or you're projected to get killed by 50, don't even worry about it. If you projected to win by 50, don't even worry about it. But if your game is best to be close, you can get one of those uh, night defenses, maybe the Eagles defense against the Niners or maybe the Packers and the Falcons defense at night. Or maybe you can get a 315 or a defense that plays in the afternoon slate. So, yeah, I would actually probably hold out for now and not make a move unless one of those top defenses are in free agency. And as far as my kickers go, I'm going to say Justin Tucker, number one, and he's number one like every week. Zane Gonzalez entering my number two spot. He's got a tasty matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Harrison butt kicker struggled last week, but he's got the Patriots this week. That's not great, but I think Harrison Buttkicker is an every week play. Jason Myers. Against the Miami Dolphins, that is a nice sleeper play if he's in free agency. There, uh, Greg the Leg Zerline against Cleveland Browns. Mason Crosby against the Falcons. Will Lutz against the Detroit Lions. Here's another potential sleeper play if he's not added yet in free agency. Sam Sloman added for the Los Angeles Rams. See, they're playing the New York Giants. That should be a real great play there. Matt Prater is an every week play. He's playing the Saints this week. Robbie Gould probably an every week play. He's playing the Eagles this week. Kami Fairbairn. That's another potential. Guy who's in free agency, probably most likely is. He plays Minnesota this week for the Texans, so that's pretty nice there. Joey Sly would be my number 12. He's playing at or against the Cardinals. And then uh, another sleeper play, number 13, I'll give Tyler Bass, who's playing the Las Vegas Raiders in a game that the Bills should be able to win. So those are my defense and kicker streams for the week. I will refer uh, anyone in my next episode to that segment there for playing the matchups there. Now let's get to the Sunday and Monday night football previews. So I like last week's format where I gave a couple of fantasy matchup previews on the Friday show. So as to not overload the Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning big matchup show that I do Uh, every week to keep it around an hour, to keep that show around an hour instead of like an hour and a half, because ain't nobody got time for that on the weekend. So as long as my schedule permits, I'm going to give my Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football fantasy previews on the Friday shows. And I'm also going to do one even better and add a third preview. And that's going to be the Saints preview, seeing as most of you uh, of my listeners are local and most of them are Saints fans. So we're going to start with the Houdat Nation here. We're going to start with the one and two New Orleans Saints. They are traveling to the Detroit Lions to face the one and two Lions and the Saints O line should be able to handle the Detroit D line in this game. I think that's a pretty big mismatch there, and Bree should have time to throw. And I don't think actually Michael Thomas will play this week. I know he's supposed to play, and luckily, this is an early game on Sunday, so we'll know beforehand if you can pivot to any backup option. I expect Michael Thomas to sit one more week, and if he does, which we don't know, but if he does, that would leave Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith as the starting receivers in a tasty matchup against the Detroit secondary that is missing at least their nickel corner, Justin Coleman, and maybe without cornerback number two, Desmond Trufant. Their top corner, of course, is a rookie, Jeff Okuda. And I like Smith and Sanders' flex options if Michael Thomas doesn't play, but nothing really more than flex options. I think their outlook is made more attractive by not only Thom- Th- Thomas' absence if he doesn't play, but also Jared Cook's. Jared Cook likely not to play. I don't think he's ruled, been ruled out yet, but I would be very surprised if he does play. I think he will get ruled out for this game. So Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders will likely be Breeze's primary targets in the passing game behind Alvin Kamara, of course. Um, before I talk about Kamara, just note that if Michael Thomas does play – Obviously, that lessens the outlooks for or the positive outlooks for Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith. I think it would hurt Traquan Smith a lot more than would hurt Emmanuel Sanders. But as long as Thomas doesn't play, I'm okay with using Sanders or Traquan Smith in a pinch. I think I prefer Sanders, but you may need them this week because of the two bye weeks. So you never really know. All right, moving on to Alvin Kamara. And he obviously enters a smash spot against the Detroit defense that has been a sieve against the run. I'm also cool with starting. You're definitely starting Alvin Kamara. He's probably the most valuable player in fantasy football. I am also cool with starting Drew Brees this week in this matchup. I don't view Drew Brees as a quarterback one, as I've made very clear. I don't think he's a top twelve quarterback in fantasy football on a weekly basis. Uh, despite this being a strong, despite his strong fantasy game last week, a lot of that was was yak, right? The yards after catch. I do think that he's probably right around quarterback twelve or barely inside the top twelve this week. And his outlook is enhanced, of course, if Michael Thomas plays. And besides obvious plays at quarterback, I'd probably start Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, and Jared Goff over Drew Brees. But that's about it, right? Like I'd play all the obvious plays over Drew and then Burrow against the Jaguars and then Matt Ryan against the Packers and then Jared Goff against the Giants, of course, over Drew. But that's about it. And Drew, right behind Drew is Matt Stafford in my quarterback rankings for this week. The Saints are a pass-funnel defense. Their eagerness and their excellence at defending the run just kind of funnels everything to the pass defense. And the pass rush from New Orleans has been non-existent this season. Marcus Davenport likely going to miss his fourth straight game. Cam Jordan has been invisible this year. I do expect him to show up for this game. I think he's going to have a good game. But regardless, Stafford should have uh, plenty of time to throw. And his supporting cast is strong with Kenny Galladay back. Kenny Galladay, fringe wide receiver one. Probably around the 12th best wide receiver play on a given week, so you're starting him even though he only played 73% of Detroit's snap last week and his first week back from injury. I think that will that should his snap count shouldn't improve this week. And even though he's also getting Marshawn Lattimore likely to follow him in shadow coverage there. I'm expecting a decent game from Galladay, but not a great one. I'm expecting 50 and 60 yards, and that sounds like uh, a little bit. But I'm going to predict a touchdown for Galladay there. So a solid but unspectacular game with Marshawn Lattimore in coverage. I think the best matchup for Detroit is reserved for tight end TJ Hawkinson, who had a strong second half last week and has been very efficient this year when the Lions actually do throw in the ball. They're just not utilizing him enough. I don't get it. Hawkinson's obviously a great player. The Saints have been posterized by tight ends in this game uh, or in every game this season. And So if you have TJ Hawkinson, I would recommend him being in starting lineups. I don't think Marvin Jones has done enough to warrant can starting consideration here. And if Michael Thomas is out, I think I'd prefer to start Emmanuel Sanders or even Traquan Smith over Marvin Jones. For the running game, Adrian Peterson is the clear lead back here. And this is a revenge game for Adrian Peterson. I don't think we can expect more than 70 rushing yards against the Saints. Great run defense. He's kind of a that kind of makes him a touchdown or bust kind of play. And I wouldn't really be using him unless I had to. Maybe if I have James Conner or Derrick Henry on bye week, yeah, maybe I'll use Adrian Peterson as my running back, too, in a pinch. Uh, Otherwise, I don't know. I'd probably prefer to play a wide receiver in the flex over Adrian Peterson. DeAndre Swift only played six snaps last week. He is unstartable in fantasy football right now. I get that this could be a favorable game flow for DeAndre Swift, However, you just can't use him. Six snaps, not enough. Only caught one pass last week. No carries for DeAndre Swift. It's just brutal. I don't get this organization at all. Matt Patricia needs to get fired. There's no reason not to be using DeAndre Swift. It's crazy. I don't get it, but you just cannot use him in fantasy football right now. So far, he's been a total bust. Uh, on Johnson, same thing there. Uh, You can only really expect a few touches as well. Offensive coordinator Daryl Beverell said this week that uh, on, Johnson and DeAndre Swift would spell Adrian Peterson. So Adrian Peterson clearly the lead back there. Okay, next up, let's move up to the Sunday night football game, the 2-1 49ers. Sorry, you can hear my dog Sadie shaking in the background there. Uh, but next up, anyway, 2-1 uh, 49ers host the 0-2-1 and, 2 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles. And to me, this feels like a game where everyone is going to really count the Eagles out like for the season after that embarrassing tie to Cincinnati last week. And yes, I know I did the same. I said the same thing last week where the Eagles, they just kind of let me down. But I do think they're going to show up to this one, even despite all odds there. And I think they'll make it competitive towards the end or they'll even upset the 49ers and win outright. Both teams are super banged up. The Niners missing quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, running back Raheem Mostard, wide receiver Debo Samuel. Although I heard Samuel should be ready to go in week five. We will see about that. I'd expect more like week six. But either way is good if you've been stashing Debo Samuel. with the, the, the comeback is soon. Several defensive starters also making, missing. Nick Bosa. D Ford, Richard Sherman, cornerback number two, Emmanuel Mosley, linebacker, uh, reserve linebacker Dre Greenlaw, uh, defensive tackle starter there, Solomon Thomas, and obviously Nick Bosa is one of the best players in the league at uh, and the pass rusher. I don't know if I mentioned him already. D Ford's also a pass rushing starter there, and I actually like Nick Mullins, the quarterback there. I honestly believe that he's just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, and if he's not, it's close. And if if not now, uh, he can be. Right, I think he is. I think Nick Montz has more upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. If the team were to commit to him, I wouldn't think that's crazy. But I'm not here to debate who is better. I'm here to talk about fantasy football. But the reason I say all this is because I don't think he'll have an issue getting. Guys like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, the ball, simply because he's a backup quarterback. There are other backup quarterbacks who would be starting where you wouldn't be able to trust their wide receivers, but Nick Mullins is not one of them. He threw for over 300 yards last week. I know it was a soft spot against the Giants, but he's a super option this week against the Eagles, nothing more, even though it is a little bit of a tougher matchup. Uh, George Kittle, he is expected to return. This is much anticipated for me. You should be confident firing him back up, and I hope he has a real breakout game. Um, yeah, I love George Kittle. So, wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, he deserves more stream-worthy, another, maybe another stream-worthy week as a wide receiver three or a flex. Uh, he had a good game last week. They manufactured touches for him. And again, Debo Samuel's out. So all the passes should be funneled to either the running backs in the passing game, Brandon Ayuk, maybe a little bit of Kendrick Bourne, but also George Kittle. So I think Ayuk will see at least six, seven targets in this game at running back. Jarek McKinnon looks like he's going to be active following a rib injury in last week's game that left his status a little bit in jeopardy. He'll continue to split work with Jeff Wilson. I think the Niners laid out their blueprint with this two-way running back committee usage last week without Raheem Moser. And McKinnon will get see more of the passing down work. Of course, he'll get some carries too on early downs, but Jeff Wilson will be more of the red zone uh, guy. He'll get more red zone opportunities and scoring opportunities, and he'll also be the closer if the Niners are leading in this game. So it's honestly like a 50-50 split. As the Niners seek to keep Jarek McKinnon healthy and fresh throughout the season, recall he is coming off the two years of not playing football after a serious knee injury. And the Eagles' run defense is better than the Giants, so I'm not expecting great performances from either. I think they're more flex plays or maybe desperation running back twos if you have wide receivers in the flex. And for the Eagles in this game, uh, on the other hand, you know, they are also plagued with injuries here. Three starting pass catchers, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, and starting tight end, or I should say fellow tight end. I don't know. I guess he is a starter. They all consider him a starter. He's playing enough snaps. Dallas Goddard is out for this game. And Deshaun Jackson, it could be a fourth pass catcher there because Deshaun Jackson is questionable with a hamstring. I lean towards him sitting as well. So – I wouldn't be relying on Deshaun Jackson in your starting lineup. And after the three weeks that we've seen so far, you shouldn't be relying on him anyway. He's been a total flop so far. The Eagles are, although I will say it's to- it would be totally Deshaun Jackson move for him to just surprisingly play no he's in no starting lineups and this is the week he beats the defense over the top but I'm not going to recommend that at all even though it just would be, totally be Deshaun Jackson to do that once everybody's off him to just explode here however you can't do that because he is a late game and he's probably not going to play in this game so you can't even take that risk anyway uh, Carson Wentz is getting rushed constantly uh, actually let me talk about the offensive line first the the birds are also missing three starting offensive linemen in this game, and all the injuries are definitely causing the offense as a whole to implode. As I talked about when I talked about Miles Sanders earlier, Carson Wentz is getting rushed constantly. He's making very poor decisions. But the one thing it does do for the fantasy is that, first of all, he's going to be running more, which, as we saw last week, is pretty good. And second of all, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, all these lack of pass catchers, it means that they're more of the focal points now. Like the, the passing game is more concentrated to those specific targets and they will receive enough usage to warrant starting them, despite the fact that the Niners are just not a good matchup for running backs or tight ends. They've been very stringent against those positions. But I'm sticking with Ertz and Sanders in starting lineups based on the projected usage alone, and probably because game flow too, because the Eagles, if the Eagles continue to suck, which they very well could do. And I advised to start Carson Wentz last week, and he was actually pretty solid for fantasy, but not in real life. And it was just in fantasy thanks to his rushing. But... I'm not advising you using them this week. Uh, however, slot receiver Greg Ward is bound to get at least seven targets in this game. and He's a PPR sleeper. If you're in need of a flex or wide receiver three in a PPR format, uh, yeah, go ahead and add Greg Ward. I mean, just it's a desperation play, but I think he's going to get at least seven targets in this game. I myself am starting Greg Ward in one league. It is what it is. Okay, last game and uh, last part of today's show. I know I'm talking really fast today. I'm trying to... Uh, Uh, I got a friend's birthday party in New Orleans trying to get this uh, show on the road here, literally as I travel to New Orleans to go to that birthday. So shout out to Michael and Reesh there. It's a little double birthday there going to, uh, I don't know, either Wrong Iron or the Bulldog or maybe Chop Yard. I'm not really sure about that, but it'll be a fun time. Those spots are awesome in New Orleans if you haven't been. But anyway, you probably have. But enough about my social life, because other than tonight, it is usually non-existent and devoted to being a fantasy football nerd. Uh, we should expect points in this game. This is the uh, Monday Night Football game. I almost lost my train of thought there. 3-0 Packers. They travel to Atlanta to face the 0-3 Pac- uh, Falcons. And the Packers are favored by a touchdown. Our guest on Wednesday's show, Wade Longmire, said this was, This is Longmire's locks of the week. He said that he expects that this game to be closer than a touchdown closer than seven points and we want points to be scored and they should be stud wide receivers, Julio Jones, Devonte Adams are both expected to return. And that is great news. Both should be started with confidence for Adams. Particularly this is total smash spot against Atlanta. I mean, it's just been a straight print fest against the Falcons playing quarterbacks and wide receivers against them. I obviously, I love Aaron Rodgers this week. He's like my quarterback six this week for, for Julio Jones. I like his matchup as well. Calvin Ridley, Currently questionable in this game. This is why I don't like doing the matchups uh, too far in advance, like on Friday. Uh, I know it feels like it should. We should have enough information by Friday to give an accurate assessment of matchups. We really don't. That's why I like to wait till Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning because so many players are ruled out, or you can see their practice situation on Friday. And Calvin Ridley, it is yet to be determined whether he's practiced yet today. He did miss Thursday's practice. It's possible he could be inactive for this game. And the extra day to prepare because it's a Monday night football game is nice, but it puts fancy managers in a bind, right? Like if you have an IR spot, it means you can wait this out. And if Ridley's ruled inactive near game time on Monday, you can just stash Ridley on IR once he gets that out designation. And you can add a wide receiver for like uh, Zacchaeus, you know, for the Falcons to plug him in. And I can't even pronounce his name, uh, but, you know, his last name is Zacchaeus, and you can plug him in. And he'll get a few looks and catches if Ridley's out. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling is a better option if he's in free agency. And you can add him now, honestly, if you have Calvin Ridley and he's there. And if you don't have an IR spot, you can't really add these guys in advance. So you may be taking a huge risk either way. Because you risk if you start Calvin Ridley and he ends up not playing you get screwed. And you also risk if you bench Ridley and he ends up playing like uh, Calvin Ridley. And he ends up having a huge game as we've seen every week so far. So I would advise as of now... To in terms of fantasy football strategy, to try to keep Ridley active on your team, probably to cut the last player on your bench. And you, if you can see if Marcus Valdes-Scantling is open in free agency, you can pivot to him if Ridley is inactive. And also maybe even pick up. Go ahead and pick up um, Zacchaeus for the Falcons or Russell Gage if he happens to be in free agency. That would be the preferred pickup if he's there. And just in case that way of Ridley's ruled out, you will have somebody at the end of your bench that you can plug in there. But if you have an IR spot, this makes it easier. Because at that point, there's just no need to do that. You can wait until Ridley gets the out designation. And then you can put him on IR, make a switch without cutting anybody. Uh, and if you really want to get competitive here, if you really want to get deep into fantasy football strategy, see if you're playing against the opponent with Ridley, right? Like make sure they're not dealing with his exact situation. Because if they are, they may be trying to pull a similar strategy. So if you have somebody to cut, let's say at the end of your bench, maybe, I don't know, it doesn't matter who it is. Maybe it's Christian Kirk or something like that. And it's, it's Sunday or Monday, and Ridley is ruled doubtful to out. You can actually go steal your opponent's pivot. You can go steal Zacchaeus. You can go steal uh, Russell Gage or Marcus valdez Cantling, the best available options in free agency. That way they don't have anyone to switch to when Ridley is ruled out, and you can steal that uh, and kind of you know sneakily outplay them from a strategy perspective. I don't know. It really just depends on if you have an extra bench spot on your bench. But you may because you may have somebody to be able to put on IR. If somebody later in the week gets ruled out, that's ruled questionable right now. You know, that, that's just a scenario to think about. You know, if you're really competitive in fantasy football and you want to be that guy, do everything it takes to win, and you can see if you're playing Ridley. and But, you know, for all we know, Ridley will just end up playing, and none of this will be worth even discussing. Hopefully that is the case. I'm rooting, obviously, for Calvin Ridley to play. He's been great this season. But that's just an interesting fantasy strategy discussion there. I like having those when I can. Assuming they all play Adams, Julio, Ridley, all twelve top top 12 options they should be in starting lineups. Russell Gage is expected to play following his concussion. He's also in the same situation. He's flexible, but um, I'd like to see him clear for the concussion protocol before I'm actually relying on him in my flex or wide receiver three. And again, this is a late game. So if he's not cleared from the concussion protocol by Sunday when I'm playing other guys, I'd probably end up playing with somebody else over Russell Gage. And it's just a shame. You know, Russell Gage could have a nice game here, especially if Ridley misses. But I just think it's too risky unless, again, you want to make that pivot that we just talked about with Calvin Ridley, that same scenario there. also exists for Russell Gage. I like Hayden Hurst here with the three starting wide receivers in Atlanta not being at full strength, even if they do all play. Uh, and for the Packers, the same can be said for Marcus Valdez-Scantley. We don't know how, if if Devontae Adams is 100%. We do know that Alan Lazard, the Lazard king, is out indefinitely. You don't even know my real name. I'm the Lizard gang, And that is such a saying because he was really coming on strong there. You can stash him on IR. If you don't have an IR, he's probably okay to cut. He's going to be out a while. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, that puts him on the radar despite his useless performance last week. Uh, MVS should be rostered in all 12 team leagues and should be started as a flex or wide receiver three in a pinch. I don't think he's a must start by any means. Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan, start them both. I prefer Aaron Rodgers. I already talked about it. he's my quarterback 6 or 7 this week. Ryan is more like my quarterback 10 or 11 this week. Aaron Jones, total beast. Definitely a top play in and value in all of fantasy football. He's a great bet for a touchdown or two every week and against the Falcons, maybe especially so. Todd Gurley. He ran well last week, 80 yards and a touch against the Bears. Good game for Gurley, good for him. I'm still pretty low on uh, on uh, on Gurley compared to consensus. He's a mid to low running back two with a middling matchup here. So, you know, if he's your best play, then play him. If he's not, then, eh, you know, I'm not going to dissuade you either way. It really just depends on your backups for Todd Gurley. Okay, what I'm going to do in this last section here, I like to do something fun on Fridays besides even answering questions. Like last Friday I did buy low, and I'll do that every now and then. I'll give buy lows. Sometimes I like to have a guest on. But this last section right here, I'm going to go through the top 12 in at every position in fantasy football using uh, PPR scoring, ESPN scoring right there. That is the most popular site here. So it's full point PPR And I'm just going to give brief discussions on whether I think they could remain a top 12 option. And the reason I do this exercise here is because we're three weeks in. You know, it's not like we're one or two weeks in. The the scores have pretty much mattered so far. And I would say that at this point, we're starting to get a feel for how everything is shaking out in the 2020 season. And so I also like to do these exercises because a lot of people just don't have time to just go look at who the fantasy scorers are, and they may be surprised. They, there may be some surprises here, and I'll talk about whether I think it's here to stay or whether it's here to go. Uh, so let's get to it. Number one quarterback right now is Russell Wilson. Love that. I think he's definitely going to finish as a top three quarterback at least. Josh Allen, uh, he is number two right now. Josh Allen definitely has the top five upside before. I said that before the season. I love that he's having a breakout year. He's the number two quarterback right now, and that is ahead of Patrick Mahomes, who's number three. But we saw what Mahomes could do last week. Mahomes, obviously, a strong bet to finish as a top three fantasy quarterback. And even a strong bet to finish as a top two fantasy quarterback along there with Russell Wilson. You have to assume that Josh Allen at some point will regress just a little bit. Dak Prescott, uh, quarterback four right now. And I definitely think I saw him as a top-five quarterback going into the season, and I'm going to stick with that as well. I think he'll finish top-five. Kyler Murray, same exact thing there. So three of the star, of the top-five quarterbacks—actually, sorry, four of the top, of my top-five quarterbacks, at least, are in the top-five going into the—four of my top-five quarterbacks going into the season are in the top-five. The only one who's not is Lamar Jackson, who I had quarterback two behind Mahomes, and he's all the way down at—let's see— at quarterback twelve right now. However, I do think I don't think it's time to panic for Lamar Jackson. I know he had a bad game, but I am I am supportive of Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to pick up his fantasy play uh sooner than later. Uh so moving on to uh number six, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback six right now. Hey, that's a real surprise, and that's a welcome surprise. I mean, it's great. When Aaron Rodgers is playing good football, it is great for the NFL, it's great for fantasy football, and obviously Devontae Adams, of course, Aaron Jones. So Aaron Rodgers, I'm gonna say that he, I'm gonna say that he definitely stays top ten for the rest of the season. I'm not gonna go ahead and say top six, but I definitely think that he's here to stay as a top ten quarterback and will finish as a top 10 quarterback. Uh, going forward, and we'll finish that way for the rest of the season. Uh, Cam Newton, quarterback seven. I love that surprise as well. The NFL is much. The fantasy is much more fun when Cam Newton's dominating, and, Cam, and the NFL is more fun when Cam Newton is thriving. I wish I would have drafted Cam Newton on a team and Rogers, of course, uh, but I did not. So Cam Newton, yeah, nevertheless, I think he's going to stay a top ten quarterback. I'm not going to say top seven. Uh, he's got the upside. He could be maybe maybe number six here. I think Cam Newton will stay a top ten quarterback, though. Matt Ryan. I'm going to also say he stays a top 10 quarterback right now. He's quarterback eight. I had Matt Ryan as quarterback eight going into the season. So this is exactly what we expected out of Matt Ryan. He's given us everything that we wanted and expected so far this season. Jared Goff, was, he was my number one sleeper quarterback this year. His ADP was quarterback 18, I believe, maybe quarterback 17. I said that, you know, one of my bold predictions is I thought Jared Goff was going to finish as a top 12 quarterback this year. And he's the guy that I was uh, kind of I was kind of trying to pair. Jared Goff and maybe Jer- uh, Joe Burrow or maybe, uh, who else did I like, Ryan Tannehill. I was trying to kind of compare or draft two of those guys if I missed out on, pun- on the quarterback position and punted that position totally. So Jared Goff, it's good that he is so far a top 10 quarterback. Right now he's quarterback number nine. I'm not gonna say that he's gonna finish at quarterback nine. I think he's going to regress just a, or, or decrease just a little bit. I'll say that he finishes right around uh, top twelve, which is good. That's what I wanted. That you got a huge bargain if Joe if Jared Goff finishes as top twelve, and the same for Joe Burrow, who is another one of my sleeper quarterbacks this year. His uh, quarterback ADP was quarterback twenty-two. He is right now quarterback uh, ten right now. So great stuff from Joe Burrow. I'm gonna say that he does finished as top 12 fantasy quarterback. And it doesn't always have to be pretty. I just think the Bengals are always in a position to throw. He's got a good supporting cast with uh, with Joe Mixon, uh, T. Higgins. I mean, A.J. Green's not that great anymore. But Tyler Boyd, I just think that they're just going to keep letting him throw. He's going to have interceptions. He's going to have touchdowns. One of my bold predictions for the Bengals, or my bold prediction for the Bengals this year, is that Joe Burrow uh, has 30 total touchdowns. And we are, I think we're on pace for that. So yeah, Joe Burrow looks good. And my other sleeper quarterback... Uh, that I said uh, was Ryan Tannehill, and I was trying to grab one, one of those three quarterbacks if I punted the position. And Tannehill is not in the top twelve, but he is—he is quarterback thirteen. I just thought I'd mention that quarterback twelve right now is. Oh, uh, no, sorry, quarterback 11 right now is Big Ben Roethlisberger, and that's nice. That's He was probably ADP, probably around quarterback 14 going into the season. So, yeah, this is right around par. Good stuff from Ben Roethlisberger, not great stuff. Uh, he's got his bye this week. And Lamar Jackson, the surprising quarterback 12 right now, that's pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, and then later I'll get – let me read some more here. Tom Brady all the way down at quarterback 18. Deshaun Watson, quarterback 19. Uh yeah, I was lower than them on consensus, so that is good. But Drew Brees, Matt Stafford, I had them as quarterback 10 and 11 respectively. They're all the way down at like quarterbacks, uh, I think it's 20 and 21 maybe. Yeah, so pretty ugly stuff by them. Carson Wentz has been a huge bust as well. I think I had him as quarterback 11 or 12, uh, or maybe 10. I-, I forgot. I had those three guys like in a row from quarterbacks like 10 through 12, I think. And they are just... You know they've just been total bust this season. Yeah, I shouldn't say total bust. Carson Wentz has kind of in a total bust, but yeah. Let's move on to the running backs here. Okay, running backs. Alvin Kamara number one in fantasy football. I uh, ranked Alvin Kamara number three overall on my board, and which is higher than every one, every expert I saw, which is great. And then I moved him down. Unfortunately, when he had that holdout risk, so if you drafted that week that he had the holdout risk, then you probably didn't land Alvin Kamara on your team. Or maybe you did. Maybe it was like a pick five or six. I moved him down to six or five there, uh, right around Derrick Henry, but I wish I wouldn't have done that, obviously, but the holdout was a risk. But if you drafted early using my guide, you probably, if you ended up with a uh, picks three or or four or five or maybe even six, you probably landed Alvin Kamara on your team, and he's the number one uh, most valuable player in fantasy football right now, which is good. Aaron Jones, I was so off on Aaron Jones. I th- thought he was going to be a, a total bust, not like a total bust, but I had him ranked like 21st overall uh, on my draft guide or maybe 22nd. And Aaron Jones is the number two running back right now. So I was totally off on Aaron Jones, and he has been smashing. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, number three overall running back, and he was number three on consensus rankings. Uh, I think I finished with him at uh, number three. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right on par there. Melvin Gordon. I was super high on Melvin Gordon early in the offseason, but then I faded on that, unfortunately. And Melvin Gordon is—actually, I think this includes his last night game, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, I think that includes—I don't think he's actually running back four. My bad for that. But, yeah, he's been pretty good, though. And if you include this week, he's been uh, been an every-week running back two. And I wish I had Melvin Gordon on more teams. I I considered Gordon more of a fifth-round, fourth-round pick. I was lower than him on consensus. Actually, I was right about where he was on consensus in terms of running back ranking, but lower— I had other positions pushed up ahead of Melvin Gordon. Guys like David Johnson, who is not and James Conner, who are not in the top twelve, thanks to James Conner's first week. Uh Dalvin Cook, I was lower than consistent on Dalvin Cook, but he's had a good season so far. Although the main reasons I was uh, off on Dalvin Cook is because of the holdout risk, but also mainly because of the injury risk. So to be determined there, I'm going to say that the five running backs that I've mentioned so far, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Dalvin Cook, do remain as top 12 running backs. Uh, James Robinson, uh, he's running back number six right now. I think James Robinson here to stay as well. I think he finishes the season as a top 12 running back, though I don't think he's going to finish as a top six running back. Um Austin Eckler, I'm going to say he also finishes as a top 12 running back as well. Uh but I don't think he's going to finish as a top 7 running back, but we will see. I think he's going to land more in that 8 to 12 range. Josh Jacobs, I feel the same way about him. Jacobs has had a slew of bad matchups, two bad matchups in a row here and he gets another tough matchup against Buffalo. But tough schedule for Jacobs. I think he's going to finish around 8 to running back 8, running back 12, which is a bargain. If you got Josh Jacobs, that's what you wanted when you drafted him. As I think I had him at RB eight or maybe RB seven overall. And that's what you wanted when you drafted uh, Josh Jacobs was to be our, a top 12 running back. And that's what you're getting so far. Although, you know, one of, he had the great game against Carolina. We, a, a week winner in week one, we need to see more from Josh Jacobs going forward against tougher opponents, Nick Chubb. Uh, I think I had him at like RB 14, 15. And that's right now. He is RB RB nine. So that's good. If you drafted Nick Chubb, I think he's going to stay as a top 12 running back. Uh, Chris Carson, Uh, he is running back 10 right now. As long as he's healthy, I think he will probably, uh, I don't know. Carson's a little tough. I think he's going to stay right around running back number 12 for the year. So I think he'll drop off a little bit. Christian McCaffrey, he got hurt. Of course, he would have been a top 12 running back. He was playing like it. Derrick Henry is running back 11 right now. And he's had a little bit of a slow start. He's got the bye week this week. Unfortunately, he didn't score in the first two games. He's not getting the receptions. But Derrick Henry, overall, he had the big week last week. And I think Derrick Henry, you can't be upset if you drafted Derrick Henry at this point. I think it's about like what we expected uh, when you picked him, you know, sixth overall or whatever it was. He's been he's been great or even very good. But I wouldn't say he's been, you know, a league. W- he wouldn't. He's not been a league winner, or excellent, or anything like that. But I think we'll see more out of him as the season progresses. He always finishes strongly. Clyde Edwards-Elair, same thing. You drafted him right around Derrick Henry, and he is RB eleven or twelve right now. But I think he's going to, to definitely finish as a RB, as a top twelve RB. Uh, his arrow is pointing straight upwards, so you should be very happy if you drafted Clyde Edwards-Elair. Uh, after him, uh, I think RB12 or 13 is Kareem Hunt. Hey, he, I was totally off on Kareem Hunt. Uh, totally whiffed on him. Uh, I just, I have Kareem Hunt nowhere. and never really considered drafting Kareem Hunt. I thought this, I thought this was going to be the Nick Chubb show, and it is the both show. So um, James Connor after them, RB13. Hey, that's not that bad considering what happened in week one. You take your lumps with James Connor, but he's been a workhorse when he's played. And if he finishes RB13 for the season and you're able to get him in uh, round three or round four whenever you got him, yeah, that's not that bad. I'll take that. Uh, although, you know, obviously I have higher expectations for James Conner. Jonathan Taylor, another guy I was I was pretty high on, but just only ended up with one Jonathan Taylor share. So annoying. Obviously you couldn't predict the Marlon Mack injury, but Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to, he's RB14 right now. He's definitely going to finish as a top 12 running back. I'm very, very certain of that. So I will move on. Uh, the next few running backs just for, Common knowledge there. Uh, Rex Burkhead because the big week lack, because when he mostered had a great start. Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Henderson, his arrow is pointing directly up. David Johnson, his arrow is also pointing directly up. Miles Gaskin, same thing. So yeah, pretty surprising stuff there. Let's go to wide receiver. Calvin Ridley, the number one wide receiver right now. I was very high on Calvin Ridley. I ranked him as a top. Uh, maybe top 10 receiver, but probably top 12 wide receiver. I forgot my actual ranking of Calvin Ridley, but I was way higher than expert consensus on Ridley, as most did not see him as a top 12 wide receiver, and I did. So hopefully you were able to use my guy draft uh, Calvin Ridley. One reason you may have not drafted Calvin Ridley is because I had a guy who was ranked lower. Uh, on expert consensus I had him higher than Calvin Ridley and I I had him at my wide receiver seven or eight overall so a huge stance on Tyler Lockett and he is the number two wide receiver so that's been great for my board and wide receivers so far but before I keep bragging about myself I'm looking at the number three wide receiver right now and that is DeAndre Hopkins who I was totally totally out on just like Aaron Jones I even mentioned DeAndre Hopkins and Aaron Jones in my uh, NFC players to avoid List and I only mentioned like eight players out of there, and they were you know at the top of the list there. So that that's just such a shame there. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's going to be a league winner, and there was no issues uh, in hindsight taking uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the second round, which is where he was going. And experts were a little faded on DeAndre Hopkins, and I was probably one of the biggest. I had DeAndre Hopkins like wide receiver seventeen. For the year. So embarrassing of a take right there. Terrible, terrible, terrible stuff right there. He's probably, he could, honestly, if I had to make a bet on anyone to finish as the number one receiver right now in fantasy football, I'm going to say DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, bad stuff there. Although I will say I was so far out on de- some of these guys like, oh yeah, I wish I would have ranked Calvin Ridley even higher than I did. That's whatever. Some of these guys I was so out on. I was so out on DeAndre Hopkins that even if I had ranked him near consensus, like wide rec- a top five wide receiver, even if I had done that, I probably still wouldn't have taken them because I was targeting heavy running backs there and George Kittle and, and tight ends. And, uh, you know, I was just so running back heavy there and it looks so stupid in hindsight. You know, I probably would have taken Joe Mixon over DeAndre Hopkins, but I definitely would have taken Miles Sanders over Hopkins. Definitely would have taken Nick Chubb over Hopkins. Definitely would have taken Austin Eckler over DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin cook. So Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, other guys for sure. So I don't know. I probably, there was just no scenario where I was ending up with DeAndre Hopkins. And that's a shame. But anyway, got to move on. You always have your misses. Stefan Diggs, he is the number four receiver right now. This is another miss by me, or it's just an oversight, right? Like I don't think any expert really had... I don't know if any expert who was saying like Diggs is going to totally break out this like you have to be on him. Most experts just ranked him near consensus. I might have been near on his, consensus expert ranking on him. I'm not really sure, but I'm guessing that I was not seeing as I don't have Stephon Diggs on any of my teams. Especially I was too busy drafting Will Fuller and Marquise Brown over Stephon Diggs. So I guess that was a miss there. Tyreek Hill uh, is wide receiver five right now, and his ADP was wide receiver five, so that's just pretty normal. Uh, DK Metcalf, here's another guy who was ADP wide receiver 23. I had him in my top, I think, 16 wide receivers in my ADP, so I'm loving that DK Metcalf is a breakout right there. I said many bull predictions about the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, so that's good stuff right there. Keenan Allen is wide receiver number eight, and that's another miss by me. I think that Keenan Allen is here to stay as long as Justin Herbert is their quarterback. And again, I started making this more about my draft evaluation here, but if you follow my board, which is great and all, but I want to say if these guys are not going to finish as top 12 receivers, uh, you know, I mentioned the prediction with DeAndre Hopkins being wide receiver one overall. That's my prediction at this point going forward. I think both Seattle receivers are going to stay in the top 12. I think Calvin Ridley is going to stay in the top 12. I think Julio is going to join the top 12. And I'm going to say Keenan Allen stays, honestly, because and Tyreek Hill, of course, too. Uh, Tyreek Hill is probably going to stay a top 6 receiver. Stephon Diggs, probably going to be closer to around wide receiver 12 when it's all said and done and not wide receiver 4. But that's okay. He's been a total steal so far. And this next one, huge surprise. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver nine on the season so crazy i don't think he's going to finish as a top 12 wide receiver but he's out producing dj moore who i was really down on this season um and i I don't know i just yeah i don't see this continuing but you got to feel good if you picked up rail robbie anderson free agency you drafted him luckily late uh but i know that was not me uh so robbie anderson good stuff by him i think he's really out playing his expectations so far Judas smith Suster, he's having a pretty good season so far he's got the bye week this week uh, but he's having a good, not great season. I think a lot of people expected uh, the numbers that Juju is putting up so far um, this year. Alan Lazard, he is actually wide receiver number 12. Uh, he is out indefinitely, so he's obviously not going to finish anywhere close to the top 12. Amari Cooper right after that. Robert Woods right after that. I was really, really high on Robert Woods. Tyler Boyd right after that. I was really, really high on on Tyler Boyd. Then Adam Thielen. Obviously, I had him as my top. He was my wide receiver five or six in my draft guide. Uh, so I was obviously really high on Adam Thielen. He's a little a little disappointed at wide receiver 14, but that's not bad. He hasn't been a bust so far. And uh, Terry McLaurin, right after that, I was obviously very high on McLaurin as well. So let's move on to tight ends. And this is where it gets a little tricky here, because as Wade Longmire mentioned on my show on Wednesday, the tight ends have been really tough so far. Very unpredictable. Right now, Travis Kelsey, tight end number one. And then, I mean, that's predictable, right? Uh, I, I regret ranking George Kittle over Travis Kelsey. Maybe that was getting too cute, although I did do it with other positions as well. I did Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, which was controversial. I did Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas, which is controversial. And those two ends up being like the right call so far, at least. We're only three weeks in. But ranking Kittle over Kelsey ends up being a bad call, it looks like. So, uh, Noah Fant. Or that's with his game. Johnny Smith, number two. He was my number one sleeper tight end, so I will take that all day. Tyler Higby, tight end number three. I was also higher than anybody I knew on Tyler Higby, although I will say I'm very worried that he's not going to keep this up. I think Higby is probably a sell high at this point. And because he's just not running enough routes to continue this, he's a kind of a touchdown or bus play every week. And I get that a lot of tight ends are like that, but I am a little worried. I don't think Higby is going to finish as a top five tight end. And he is one of my boys. So that just hurts to say Darren Waller. I was totally off on Darren Waller and he's had a top five tight end season. This so far, Mike jasiki He was another one of my sleeper tight ends. He's been a top seven tight end this season. So yeah, good stuff from just there. there. Um, Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I mean this, I just never saw that coming at all. Uh, I knew the Bears would probably use him more than I thought. He was one of the reasons I was lower on Allen Robinson, believe it or not. But I just didn't think it was going to actually translate into fantasy value for Jimmy Graham. So no, no, no. Uh, is he going to end up as a top 12 tight end? I don't know. Is he worth a pickup in free agency? Yes, he is. Hunter Henry, I do think he will end up as a top 12 tight end, um, regardless of which quarterback plays. He's been really steady this year, and I was awful on Hunter Henry. So I ranked him lower than a top 12 tight end. So, yeah, I was wrong on Henry. He's going to be pretty good, but probably not great. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a top 5 tight end. Honestly, I think he's been that steady. TJ Hawkinson, I think he'll finish right around tight end 12 like he is right now. Uh, I think he's tight end 11 right now. Mo Ali Cox is right behind him. Uh, I don't think that will continue. Uh, He's for the Colts. I think Zach Ertz, he is tight end 13 right now. That's been a huge bust right now, right? If you picked Ertz, it might have been in round 4, round 5. I only have Ertz on one team. But hopefully he trends upward with Dallas Goddard missing um, a lot of weeks. And then I got to get to, you know, my boy, Mark Andrews over here. who's tied in 16 right now. He had one week winning week in week one. And then he had two total duds. Mark Andrews did. I am not worried about Mark Andrews. I'm more worried about Marquise Hollywood Brown than I am with Mark Andrews. But Will Fuller, uh, Mark Andrews. You know, they gotten off to a little slow starts, although Fuller's had two of three good games. Mark Andrews, slow start here. I am confident Mark Andrews will bounce back and be a top. I still think he's going to be a top six tight end this year, although, you know, right now it seems a little ambitious, but I'm still believing. I'm still a believer in Mark Andrews. Uh, So let's move on to defense. Won't spend a lot of time on defenses just because they're defenses, but just to give you the top 12 so you have a general idea for your knowledge, Colts are number one. And I did mention that a lot, that the Colts had a really, really soft opening schedule. I mentioned that in my draft guide, that they're a great streaming option to open the season. And they also get Chicago this week. And it doesn't end, because they get Chicago this week, then the Browns, and then the Bengals uh, before their bye week. So the Colts, defense number one there, and that probably should stay that way for a bit. Uh, they've been much improved and have had a soft schedule. Steelers defense number two, that's what you drafted them for. Buccaneers defense, I was so, so high on the Buccaneers defense. I said they were going to finish top 12 in my draft guide they were just hard to draft in fantasy football because they played the Saints first. And I didn't use them in the Saints in that week. But every after that Saints game, I just knew that they looked good in that game and I knew that they had a really good defense on paper. I thought that going into the season. So I just uh, buy, buy, buy on, as in I'm purchasing. Buy, I'm purchasing the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, I did it in like almost every league. There, in my defense in like almost every league. I have them probably in like, I don't know, probably 85% exposure to the Buccaneers defense. There's only one or two leagues that I don't have the Bucs defense in. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll finish the top 12 defense going forward. Patriots, they're always going to be top 12. That, it is what it is. If you drafted the Patriots defense high, then, yeah, I mean, that's good. They've had two good weeks so far. Uh, Ravens defense, same thing. They've had two good weeks so far. They sucked in week Three against the Chiefs, but you weren't playing them against the Chiefs anyway. You were picking up another defense for that anyway. So, yeah, if you draft the Ravens high, you no problem. And In fact, I think most of the defense, if you picked them high, they've been pretty good, except for the Bills. And the Bills were the ones I liked the most, and they've been terrible. And that's been a real shame here. I think they'll have a good week this week against the Raiders, but it's just been a real shame that the Bills have not panned out. Niners, they were also a top-five defense, and they are number six right now. Um, so that is good. Washington football team with a great front seven. They're kind of fading, though, and you can't use them against Baltimore, so I don't know if they're going to finish this top 12, especially with Chase Young hurt right now, and Matt Ioannidis, their nose tackle, he is also hurt. Uh, Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints, eh, I guess, whatever. I think the Saints will finish as a top 12, but probably not top six. Cardinals are next, in the Bears and the Chargers. I really like the Chargers a lot, but they just got uh, Melvin Ingram hurt, and they have Chris Harris hurt, two of their better players. Uh, but the Chargers, they'll probably finish top 12 if I had to guess. Uh, kickers, lastly... Mason Crosby, number one. I have him on a couple teams have, uh, as a free agent. Uh, Steven Goskowski, number two. Did not see that coming at all. Justin Tucker, number three. That's what you drafted him for. Randy Bullock, Bengals kicker, number four. Maybe I should have listed him as a sleeper. At the Jagu- he gets the Jaguars this week. So yeah, maybe if you don't have a good kicker, maybe go pick up Randy Bullock, uh, Joe Burrow's kicker. Yeah, I can see that being pretty good. Rodrigo Blockenship, that's all really because of one big game that he had like six field goes in. A way Koo, Falcons kicker. He is out this week, so make sure you replace him if he's been your kicker all along he was one of my sleeper kickers this year in the draft guide brandon mcmanus joey sly sam ficken a new york giant uh actually he played yesterday so that doesn't count uh robbie gold or robbie gould i should say daniel carson then will lutz and then matt prater then harrison busk butt kicker so for will lutz four matt prater four harrison butt kicker you know they're all the way down uh, kickers 13 through 15 so that's kind of been a shame Zang gonzalez too he was kind of highly drafted But I still think over the long run, they are going to finish as top 12 kickers. So I'm going to stick with them on my teams. Okay, I hope that helped with season-long outlooks and just kind of my opinion and see how my draft guide did so far through three weeks with the top 12 positions. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed that. Hope that helped. And I will see you all for my matchup preview. And that will... Uh, take up all the games except for the Saints game except for the Sunday Night Football except for the Monday Night Football game Uh, all the rest of the games and I will have that for Saturday afternoon Saturday night or early early Sunday morning so stay tuned for that good luck in week three thank you so much for listening everyone thanks for tuning in it's been great and please subscribe please give me a five star rating if you enjoyed the show your support is always appreciated see ya